chapter number five, and hopefully you grabbed a copy of the uh, outline on your way in tonight. If you did not, uh, there's some out on the table out there, but tonight we have uh, just been going through, we'll pick it up again tonight on uh, our study, Sunday night study. If you're maybe uh, visiting with us tonight, we are uh, just going verse by verse and really chapter by chapter through the book of Romans. And, uh, you know, those of us that are saved, and I pray that everyone here tonight knows Christ as their Savior, that after we get saved, we need to understand our, what oftentimes we refer to as our standing with God. And uh, last week we got into and we concluded chapter number four, which deals with this matter of justification is by faith alone. Uh, we, there's nothing to add to what Jesus did for us. And so we pick that up tonight in chapter number five. And if you have your Bible there, uh, we'll read the whole chapter. The Bible begins in verse number one. And I want you to pay attention to the very first word of chapter five. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for, all that, for that all have sinned. For unto, until the law, sin was in the world, but Sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Notice that word, free for if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, what's those next two words? 
Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, there it is again, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might reign, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And God's people said, Amen. Amen for that. I couldn't think of a better place that God had me to come to and us to gather together tonight before the Lord's table than this particular chapter. It is, I mean, if, if it was a shotgun, all barrels would be loaded. Uh, when I think about this, and you, you have to understand, so many times, as we just read, the Bible talks about wherefore as by one man, that would be Adam, the first man. And we all know that because of sin, that the Bible says death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. And again, you go back to what happened in the garden that man and woman, Adam and Eve, they did not physically die, but there was a spiritual separation from God because of the sin in their lives. You see, the Bible says our sins, our iniquities have separated us from our God. And, and listen, what God wants to have, what God desires is for there to be a fellowship, a close fellowship with him, where he is our God and we are his people. So the Bible tells us that that one man, Adam, that he brought sin upon and all of us inherit. Think about this. If Adam was the first man that God created, we are all descendants of Adam. We all have that nature, that sin nature. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But aren't you glad that the Bible does say, wherefore as by one man sin had entered into the world, but if in this passage you saw it mentioned, but by another man, the second Adam, the Bible calls him, Jesus Christ, and aren't you glad that the gift that he offers is to us, it's a free gift. But it costs God the life of his own dear son. So when we come to Romans chapter number 5, 
the main theme of Romans chapter number 5 deals with our standing. It actually deals with one of the major doctrines that we hold as Bible-believing Christians, and that is this matter of eternal security. If you're saved tonight, how long are you saved for? Forever. What Bible words would you, would you see in the Word of God to indicate that it's forever? Eternal, what's another word? Everlasting, right? So when you think about this, our standing is, according to the Word of God, our standing is perfect. Our standing is immutable. The word immutable means that it is unchanging, that it changes not. And then you think about our standing is guaranteed. Now, when you get to chapter number five, notice again the verse Verse number one, look at the first word. What is it again? Therefore. Now, when you see that word, it's there for a reason. So what you need to do is you need to find out what it connects from. And by doing that, you have to go back, look, look back at chapter number four. Look at the last verse that we studied last week, Romans 4.25. Because this ties us right into our passage tonight. The Bible says in verse 25 of chapter 4, who, talking about Jesus, was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our what? Our justification. So when you see this, it's, it's, you get into chapter number 5, where we are tonight. I'm trying to get you to think about, to understand the context tonight. As we get to chapter number 5, here's what we find is, is that we're, we're going to look at the results of our justification. And the results of being justified by God are very encouraging. I love the fact that God tells us what the results of our justifications are. Now, some Christians do confuse two terms that the Bible makes reference to. One of them is justification, and the other one is known as sanctification. They are two totally different thoughts, now they do connect one to the other because justification is a completed action, but it is something that rests in the person of Christ. So here it is. Justification is a completed action. If you got saved, for instance, I'll use myself as the example. There should be a time in your life where you can look back. It might have been a week ago. It might have been 10 years ago. It might have been 50 years ago. You may not remember the exact date, you may not remember the exact place, but you ought to be able to look back to a time when you know that you put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. For me, it was January 22nd, 1984 at Bible Baptist Church in St. Charles, Missouri. I remember it so vividly that I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I need to be saved on the 15th of January, but I would, not, I would not give my heart to the Lord. I would not trust Him as my Savior. And so an entire week went by, and when I went to church that Sunday, I was determined I went to church for one reason. It wasn't to hear the message. It was to put my faith in Christ. Now, I didn't know that you could be saved anywhere, anytime, place. I thought you had to come to church and come to an altar. But if you're not saved tonight, listen, it'd be great for you to settle that tonight here in this service. But if, if, if you haven't quite come to the place, maybe a lot of times when we deal with children, we don't force decisions. 
So sometimes, just being gentle with children, we may, we may just try to help them to understand because a person cannot be saved until they understand that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And so when you think about this, this matter of justification is a completed action and it rests solely on the person of Jesus Christ. If we believe that we have to do something that oftentimes is referred to as works, then listen, it is not by grace through faith, it is us adding something to what Jesus already did. That's what justification is. It's a completed action. Everybody with me tonight? But sanctification is a little bit different. Because once we are justified by God, once we have experienced justification, uh, remember what Nicodemus said, he had this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus said this to him, he said, ye must be born again. That's, a, that's not a physical birth. Now, Nicodemus was trying to figure that out. That is to be born spiritually from above. See, I have two birthdays, September the 5th and January 22nd. You say, which one's more precious to you? Definitely January 22nd. So when you think about this, I, I, a lot of times I refer to my spiritual birthday is my age because then I'd be 35 instead of 56. <laughs> but sanctification is a daily process. See, once I got saved, once you got saved, we cannot lose our salvation. But the reality is, is that every day of our lives, we need to be living for the Lord. Remember the message this morning that we entered into the race that was set before us. So sanctification is something that is a process daily. Justification, again, is the act of God where God declares a sinner righteous, and he does it, he declares us righteous positionally. And so understand that it is our position now that we have been justified, we have been declared righteous by God. That is possible, why? Because God now looks through the lens of his son's blood, which is God's blood, perfect blood, precious blood, and as God looks at us, he sees us justified. Now, sanctification is that process that begins in us at the moment of salvation, and at the moment of justification, whereby we become more and more like Jesus Christ. See, the goal of the Christian life I mentioned this morning is not only to know Christ, but every day to be more like him. And that's where you get to uh, Romans chapter number five, dealing with our standing. So now that you at least maybe understand a little bit more about what Romans five is dealing with, let's get into the chapter a little bit and discuss some of these blessings that comes with our justification. I notice, first of all, in verse number one, the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, here it is, we have what? We have peace. Let me ask you, do you have peace tonight? I love being around Christians that understand that now they're saved. Now, listen, there, there may be times, we'll get into that. The chapter deals with that, but, but here's the thing is, is that God gave us peace when he justified us. The Bible says, and Jesus spent time with his disciples before he went to Calvary, John 14, 27. And this, this is what he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus, the characterized life of Jesus on this earth, 
Do you see a man that was in turmoil, that had anxiety in his life? I don't. I see a man, a God-man, that had perfect peace. And I love how he says, my peace, the same peace that I had. Now you think about that. The Bible says that who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, but he still had peace. How in the world can somebody be going through difficult times and yet have the peace? Look what he says here. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Look at Philippians 4, 7. Paul writes to those in Philippi, he says, the peace of God which passeth what? It's hard to explain. Somebody gets some news, medical news, and yet they have peace. It's past all of our human understanding. You see, we're finite. God is infinite. The Bible says that his peace passeth all understanding. And watch this. And it's the peace of God that we shall keep in our hearts and minds, notice, through Christ Jesus. So we've got to keep that peace in our hearts and in our minds. And if we can have peace with God, it's this peace that according to the Word of God in the book of Romans tells us that we shall live peaceably with all men. You know, you get along with people that are not easy to get along with. You get around some maybe some unsafe family members and, and some difficult people that you'll deal with in life. Well, how is it possible that you can be around them and yet you can live peaceably because this peace comes through the person of Jesus Christ. He says, my peace I give unto you. It's not based on what he is doing. It's based on what he has done. He has given us his peace. This peace, when I, I sat and think, thought about that, the, in course, the passage we just read. It, it's evident to me when you study the scriptures, before we got saved, the Bible says we were enemies with God. Remember that? Remember reading that? Remember your life before Christ? I remember mine. So when I, when I read about how that we have been justified, you know what that means? That the war is now over. See, I was at odds with God. I was always like the Apostle Paul, kicking against the pricks. I didn't want nothing to do with God. I didn't, want to, I didn't own a Bible. I, I, I could care less about the things of God. But when I got saved, everything changed. God gave me his peace, a peace that passes all understanding. This peace indicates that, listen to this, I'm no longer an enemy with God. Now I'm a part of the family of God. We're friends now. So when I think about this peace, that means that God, listen, God has fully judged our sin. Well, how did he do that? He fully judged it upon Jesus, who became our substitute. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah? That he, he took our sins, our transgressions, by his stripes were healed. 
you know, Abraham took his son. Father, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? God himself will provide, and there was a ram caught in the thicket. Jesus took our place. He died our death. God has completely satisfied with the sacrifice of his son. And listen, that satisfaction is not something that's only going to last for a certain time. God has been completely, fully satisfied forever with the death of his son, the substitution of the son of God. See, God is therefore, Romans 5, 1, God is therefore at rest with us forever. That ought to throw your soul tonight, that God is at rest with us. So one of the, one of the blessings of justification is that we have peace. But notice the second blessing in verse 2, the Bible says, by whom, talking about Jesus, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now think about that. We have access to the grace of God. The Bible says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Do you know you don't, you don't have to make an appointment with God? You don't have to wait in line. God's phone, if he had one, is never busy. If you start calling him, he doesn't look at it and go, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy. You see, you have a direct access to him. Isn't it nice to know that no matter where you're at, what you're going through, that you have access to God's grace 24-7, 365? That ought to thrill your soul. Are you like me? Do you get aggravated when you call people and all else you get is automated? People don't, there's no people working anymore. It's just all machines. But God is a real person. And when we need his help, the Bible says we have access. Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access, look at this, with confidence by the faith of him. See, the Bible declares that Christians are under grace. We're not under the law. We're under the grace of God. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. Anybody ever called out to God? Help! Help! If you didn't this week, you're probably going to have to do that. And you know what's going to happen? God's going to come to your rescue again and again and again, you know why? Because you have access to the grace of God. But watch this. How did that access come? By Jesus Christ. Because we've been justified. See, we have peace. We have access. Notice a third blessing of our justification is we have hope of the glory of God. Go back to verse 2. Look at it. He says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He's talking about, listen, we, we not only have, we not only can rejoice, but we have a solid happiness. When he's talking here about this matter of having hope, I love what the book of Titus says in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the future of every believer is that one day, watch this, we've been justified when we got saved. We are being sanctified, but one day, praise God, we're going to be glorified. We're going to be in the presence of God. And we have that hope. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Because we have been justified. It's Listen, folks, it is not merely just beholding God's glory. It is entering into God's glory. One day, we're going to stand face to face. And that hope, listen, our faith will become sight. When I think of this matter of hope, it's, listen, hope is what keeps us going. And when you take that hope away, listen, you might as well, you're ready to die when you lose hope. But every day I know, hey, you know what the Bible teaches? That the Lord could come back today. And you know what? I'm looking for it. I hope he comes before this next presidential election. I really do. But see, listen, the blessings of justification... We have peace. We have access to the grace of God. We have hope of the glory of God. Look at a fourth blessing. Is in verses 3 through 5. Look at this. And not only so, but we glory in... What's that next word? Anybody here good at glorying in tribulations? The Bible says we... Glory in tribulations. Why? Because we know or we are knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience then works experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. See, we, look, human nature, I mean, you can mark it down if you're like any other person. We would never, we would never humanly ask for trials and troubles and tribulations. You know, nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and go, boy, I hope you send me a doozy today, Lord. We just don't do that. But we know from this passage here that even in our tribulation, listen to this. Even in our times of trials, God still can be glorified. I look at Brother Smith down here on second row, third row here, and Brother Smith went through an amazing, and he, and he pray for him, he's still got things, he's, he's still dealing with things, but he's a trophy of God's grace, as so many of you. When I think about his spirit and the peace that he had and his wife right there by his side and I never heard him t- talking about why God why is why are you doing this and all that he went through and so many others in our church and maybe those that you have known listen we oftentimes we don't understand but we know this that even through our trials God can get the glory out of them the trials God uses them why here it is to teach us He's going to teach us. Look at look again. He's going to teach us patience. He's going to teach us to endure. You know, while you're under it. Are you going to ha- keep faith in God? The endurance that that comes into our lives, what is it going to do? It's going to bring us to experience. 
The Bible tells us that the things we go through, watch this, God can use them so that one day we can help someone else who is going through that very same thing that God took us through. We could be an encouragement to them. And that's what it says here, that God will use those trials to teach us patience, teach us to endure, so that we'll have experience, which always experience always brings the hope that, listen, one day, remember, I love the Bible, it says this time and time again, and it came to pass. This too shall pass. You see, right now, you may not see the the purpose behind that trial. But the Bible says that God is working through experience to bring us the hope that one day, and it's that hope that causes us to not be ashamed. Hey, I'm a child of God. I'm one of his children. God would never hurt me or harm me. And as I think about God using this, why does he do it? Because that that is where this hope comes from. Think about it. Where does ultimately our hope come from? Well, according to Romans chapter number five, our hope comes from our tribulations. Now, again, we would never think about it. Boy, God's bringing the tribulation. God's bringing this trial into my life. And God's going to use it so that he might give me hope and help me to endure. Well, which, when we think about this, why are we able to glory in our tribulation? Because our lives are much different than those that have gone on before us. You think about the martyrs. Many of them gave their lives for the faith. Most of us today, we don't know what it's, what it's like to suffer persecution. Now, again, I'm not willing it or wishing it on anyone. But you do realize the more hostile this world becomes towards Bible Christianity, that day may come in our life. People are becoming more and more intolerant to Bible convictions, to the truth. And when I think about this, listen, the the martyrs, those men and women many of them were burned at the stake. Many of them were tortured and suffered. Their lives were taken. But you know what you find when you study and read about their lives and their testimonies? I I, I read about men and women who they found singing in the flames of their own death. Singing. Rejoicing. The joy of the Lord was evident in their lives, even during life's bitter hour known as death. And I think about our lives. Folks, listen, I hope that you don't, but may we never doubt how much God loves us. He loved you before you ever loved him. Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Look at these verses. We read them just a minute ago, but look, look back in chapter 5, look at verse number 6. The Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man, not an ungodly man, a righteous man, will one die. Yet peradventure for a, a good man, Some would even dare to die. But look, we're not righteous. We were not good. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love 
toward us in that while we were yet, we weren't righteous, we weren't good, we were sinners. Christ died for us. Now look at chapter, chapter number 5, look at verse number 9. What's the first two words of verse number 9? What is it? Much more. Right here in this chapter, there's four times that God shows us how much He loves us. And He uses those words. Much more. Not, not more. Not kind of, sort of. But much more. I want you to look at these, because the first one I want you to see is that if God did all of this while we were enemies, here's what it says, much more His love keeps us from His wrath as a son. Look in verse number 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. You know what that means? we will not go through the tribulation. You see, the Bible tells us that we will not go through that time period, that that is not intended for God's children. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I love you, and you will be with me one day. You will not experience my wrath because you are one of my children. See, if God did all that while we were enemies... How much more his love keeps us from his wrath as a son. Notice another much more that he gives us here in chapter 5 in verse number 10. See, if giving his life for us accomplished so much, and it did, notice this, much more it accomplishes when he gives his life to us. See, he didn't just give his life for us. He gave his life to us. Look at verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God... By the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, he not only gave his life for us, but he gave his life to us. And so notice what it says in Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live. If you're, how many of you are saved tonight? So look at this verse like it's you, all right? Now this is Paul's testimony, but look at this. He says, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that your testimony? You see, he loved you much more than you could ever love him. And his life accomplished so much, and he gave his life to us. But notice thirdly, we see in in chapter 5 another much more, because notice letter C, if one offense caused death, that's Adam, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So if one offense caused death to so many, look at this, much more grace, and salvation abounds to all. I'm sorry, Mr. Calvinist, but God so loved the world. God is not willing that any would perish. And so when we look at this, look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, 
many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Aren't you glad for the grace of God tonight? But look at the fourth much more that I see in verse 17. Because if death reigned by one, much more will we reign one day with him. I love this. The Bible says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, and that one is Jesus Christ. So one day, according to the word of God, because of his much more in our lives, we shall reign with him. In other words, the bottom line of all these much mores in chapter 5 is this. The greater the sin, the greater the grace of God. See, where sin hath abounded, grace did much more abound. The Bible says in the last verse of this chapter, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And when I look at this chapter, and I think about what we're about to do here in just a couple minutes, I think about the Lord's table. Jesus in that upper room. Very close to going to the cross. And the Bible mentions in Galatians 3 in verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Remember Jesus' prayer in the garden? Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He understood what that meant. The weight of the sin of the world, everyone's sin, bearing down on him. And the Bible says here that he became the curse for us. Look at this. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth, on a tree. That's a direct reference to the old rugged cross that you sang about tonight. See, Christ was willing to bear the curse of sin on our behalf. He died for us. Now, why did he have to die? I mean, you remember the Old Testament, how they, they had the animals and they, they would offer up sacrifices? Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't the sacrifice of an animal be sufficient? Well, if you look back, and of course, even you know it is true that when God created everything in six literal days, God created the sun, moon, and stars. He created all the animals, the plants. The crown of his creation was mankind. And if I can use this term, because we're all familiar with it, when God created everything and Adam was in the garden and there was Bambi, Bambi wasn't scared of Adam. You see, that was because there was no sin at that time. Matter of fact, God said that Adam gave names to all the animals. 
There was no fear there between the animals and man. Adam wasn't worried at that time about the lion. He wasn't worried about the boa constrictor. It was a different time, a different, a different place for man. But when Adam sinned, everything changed. Now again, I, I'm just sitting there thinking about this. Maybe you've never considered it. But I know you know this, that our sin does affect those around us. Our sins oftentimes will affect people and things in certain ways. Adam's sin changed things. For instance, Adam's sin affected the, the plant kingdom. Because I can't find in the Bible a reference before his sin that there were thorns and thistles. But after he sinned, the Bible mentions it, that there were now thorns and thistles. His sin affected the animal kingdom because after he sinned, there was now a fear of animal to man. See, therefore, the animals, again, you have to hear this whole thought, the animals, I believe, were under the same curse of sin that the earth was put under. Now, those animals, although they didn't maybe know, have the knowledge of what was right and wrong, according to what we see in the Word of God, and we, we understand it is, they were tainted by the sin of man because of what Adam did. And listen, his sin not only affected him and all of mankind, but it tainted the animals. And so if the taint was there, it could not, that animal no longer could not fully redeem or restore man back into a right relationship to God. So here's the thought. There needed to be a sacrifice that was out of the loop of sin. Something that was not affected by it. And here's the best part. That's where God himself became a man. The Bible tells us this. Why did he do that? In order to become our atonement. You see, as you think about Jesus, the Son of God, becoming a man, there are some that would say, well, doesn't that bring up a problem? Because when he became a man, when he became a human being, that means that he must be born. Now, some people take this and they run with it because at birth, that is where the sin nature is passed on. I don't have to teach my children. It comes to them naturally. We're all sinners by nature. You see, if he comes into the world with the taint of sin, then just like those animals, Jesus could not atone for the sins of the whole world. So what's the solution? Here's the solution. God bypassed man altogether. How did he do that? Well, you study the scriptures. Jesus was born of a virgin. The Bible tells us, and you have the verses there, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. What's that? Anybody know what that means? God with us. The Bible says in Luke 1, 34, and what oftentimes we refer to as the birth of Christ, where Mary, his mother, his earthly mother, said unto the angel when she was told about the birth of, the, of, of her son, she said, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? And the Bible tells us in the very next verse, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy 
thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And so the Bible tells us in John's gospel record, the Word was made flesh, capital W. The Bible tells us that He dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, God has a way because God realized our need of a Savior. And He sent His Son who was born of a virgin. And the blood of Jesus Christ is God's blood. It's pure blood. It has the power to cleanse us from our sins. The Bible says, as Peter wrote in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who, look at these words, verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You know what that means? That what Adam did did not surprise God. God knew all along that we would need a Savior. And the Bible says, and he shall send them a Savior and a great one, the Old Testament tells us. And it's through the precious blood, the pure blood, the lamb without blemish and without spot that was foreordained by God before the foundation of the world. John writes in 1 John 1, 7, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, that cleanseth us from how much sin? All sin. Now, some people say, you know, I'm just not sure about this King James Bible. I just don't know. I, I have a hard time understanding some of these words. Listen, don't, don't walk away from the truth because you don't understand it. Ask God by His Spirit to help you understand it. We don't need to change the Word of God. We just need to study it and read it and ask God to help us to understand it. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. You know what the verse means when it says he cleanseth us? How do people in the Old Testament get saved? Same way we get saved today. How's that possible? Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago. Don't you think if he was a man like you and me that his blood would have been dried up and gone by now? But his blood is efficacy. There is, not there was, there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, loose all their guilty stains. The same blood that saved the Old Testament saints is the same blood that is still saving us today. When I look at what John says, he, he wrote it right. Jesus' blood cleanseth us from all sin. You see, it was the blood of Jesus Christ God's Son that brought us our atonement, that brought us our justification. And that is why, listen, our standing is secure, yours and mine. It's perfect, it's immutable, it's guaranteed by the Word of God and by the work of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me tonight as we think about our justification Think about all the blessings that come 
because of our justification. You see, we are blessed by our justification. We are blessed by Jesus. Because of him, we have seen tonight, we have peace. Because of him, we have access. Because of him, we have hope. Because of Jesus, we can glory even in our tribulations. Why? Because God can get the glory out of those things that he allows into our lives. We have a lot to be thankful for tonight. And it all comes from Jesus Christ, God's own dear son who loved us and gave himself for us. Before we take the Lord's table tonight,